It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, February 25th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. First, we'll head down to our state capital with the California Report, where Sacramento's large Ukrainian population is protesting Russia's invasion. Then, we'll look at regional news and weather before we hear part of KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza's interview with Nevada Joint Union High School District Superintendent Brett McFadden. We'll close tonight's newscast with Felton Pruitt as he talks with Nevada City Chamber of Commerce Executive Director Stuart Baker about this Sunday's Mardi Gras Parade. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Escalating attacks by Russian forces in Ukraine have many in the Sacramento area on edge. Sacramento County is home to one of the nation's largest populations of native-born Ukrainians. A rally was held at the state capitol yesterday, one of several held across the state to protest the wide-scale invasion. More sanctions to Putin and Russia. More sanctions to Putin and Russia. Russell Ngorzi runs Slavic Sacramento, an online news service which publishes daily news in the Russian language to serve the Slavic community in Northern California. He tells the California Report the scope of what's happening in Ukraine is unfathomable. I'm in shock and everyone is in shock. Ukrainian Russian community, we all really united right now. This is something that we did not expect it. First of all, nobody expected that. Even though 2014, 2015, uh, I myself witnessed similar war in Eastern Ukraine, uh, but nobody, especially here in the United States, in California, never expected that Russia gonna real invade the Ukraine with a real uh, military power, with the military forces. He says Ukrainians will fight back against Vladimir Putin, but Gurzi says he's worried for his friends back home. They're going to be fighting against him. They're going to be fighting badly. I have friends in Ukrainian army. They have uh, weapons. They have skills, experience. And most importantly, they're really eager to fight against the occupation, Russian occupation. That's going to be a really bloody war. And now another reaction. Ali Markovich lives in Berkeley and is a reporter with local news site Berkeley Side. She was born in Odessa, Ukraine, and is shocked about the invasion. Honestly, I'm at a loss for words. I don't understand how something that was so widely predicted and reported can be simultaneously so stunning. I think that for me, it's particularly painful because I feel in touch with just how much effort has gone into developing a national identity in Ukraine, how much work and love was put into defining what Ukrainian people is, only to have that very concept be threatened by uh, Vladimir Putin and Russia. Markovich says she texted her parents yesterday to check in on them. My dad texted back that he was still in shock and kind of in denial still, even a day later, right? So the fact that people were reporting this invasion coming, even though now that it's here, it's hard to believe. And Markovich says national identity is complicated in Ukraine. When I ask my dad, for instance, like, to what extent do you identify as Ukrainian? 
being Ukrainian is really a political choice. My dad identifies as Jewish. He identifies Odessa as his homeland. And my whole family grew up speaking Russian. The fact that I was from Ukraine when I was a little kid, I just told people that I was from Russia because I assumed that they had no idea what Ukraine was. And as I grew older, I came to more deeply understand why it was important to me that I was not only an immigrant, but from Ukraine specifically and Odessa specifically. That was Ali Markovich. You can find her latest article on the Ukrainian diaspora at berkeleyside.org. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. All right, let's go to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine. This week, host Sasha Coca tells us about a new young adult novel coming out next week, set in the Mojave Desert. Outside, the sky is heavy and close. I get a whiff of Mojave petrichor, that singular scent of rain falling on dry earth mixed with sweet creosote. Emma got grouchy when it rained, hating the snarled traffic, leaking motel roof, and flooded streets. But to me, rain in the desert felt miraculous. That's an excerpt from the new novel All My Rage by Saba Tahir. It draws on her own experiences growing up in her family's 18-room motel in the Mojave Desert, the daughter of Pakistani immigrants, facing racism, Islamophobia, and taunting from other kids. In the book, the character Noor has just one close friend at school she confides in. Do you think our adulthood will make up for everything we had to deal with as kids? I ask him. Like, we get out of here and you go to med school and I become a writer and our lives will be amazing? They don't have to be amazing. Just not. My face throbs. Not this. You're going to escape this place, Noor. He looks over at me. You're going to become a doctor. Your adulthood is going to make up for all of it. Tahir's earlier young adult series, Ember in the Ashes, hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list. But this book, she says, was personal, required her to dig deep. I've never been a person who thinks a lot about, you know, self-love. But this book required a lot of self-love and a lot of hope to write. Um, You know, love and hope for who I'd become as an adult and love and hope for the little kid out in the desert who didn't know how to deal with the difficulties that came her way, but who survived them. And you can hear more of Sasha's conversation with author Sabha Tahir on this week's California Report magazine. Listen to it on some public radio stations or subscribe to the magazine's podcast. And you can also get the podcast for this, the Daily California Report, there as well. So go get it and subscribe.
And that is the California Report for Friday, February 25th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Dan Bringer, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza had the chance to speak with Nevada Joint Union High School District Superintendent Brett McFadden today. Up next, part of their interview covering Nevada Union High School's mask mandate change and the Nevada Union Teachers Association's response. I'm talking now with Brett McFadden. He's the superintendent for the Nevada Joint Union High School District. Mr. McFadden, thanks for talking with us today. Thank you for having me. Honored to be here. Nevada Union was closed again today. There was no instruction. On the school website, it says that the fact is due to a teacher shortage. Can you tell me about that? Yes. There's a a small group of teachers that are concerned about the district board of trustees action that they took earlier this week in regards to how the district will enforce its mass requirement for students moving forward. And there's a small group of teachers, approximately 35 to 40 or so, at the NU campus um, that have felt strongly about this. And we suspect that um, they're expressing their opposition um, by calling in sick. You said uh, 35 teachers. How many, how many teachers are there total at that campus? Um, approximately a little over probably 80 or so. Um, and the total number of teachers, you know, that may, you know, feel strongly about this and, and have opted to um, take this form of protest, um, you know, somewhere between 35 and 40. I spoke yesterday with Eric Mayer. He's the president of the Nevada Union Teachers Association. And he told me that what's happening at NU is not an official action. It's individual teachers not showing up mostly because they are expressing their frustration that a memorandum of understanding was violated. What can you tell me about that? Yes, and that's, that's true. The, the um, union and union leadership um, has um, you know, remained you know, extremely professional and in communication with us um, throughout this week. And so... Um, this is a no means um, in sort of an organized fashion. And, you know, we're receiving a lot of um, complaints from parents and members of the public about what's happening. And there's a lot of, you know, blame being put. And so I really want to emphasize to the to the listeners and to our, our community that um, while this may be the action uh, actions of some individual uh, teachers, by and large, and it isn't organized, and by and large, uh, the uh, vast majority of our staff have been, you know, coming to work. They may not have been happy with the action that our board of trustees took earlier this week, but they've been coming to work and um, and doing their jobs as as the professionals they are. Mr. Mayor expressed to me that one of the fears that these individual teachers have is that they would be in violation of state law if they were to be in the classroom and not enforce 
the masking requirements. He said that it is possible that they could have their credentials taken from them. Tell me about that. Yeah, I certainly don't want to discount anyone's uh, fears or worries on something like that. Um, We are not seeing that happen around the state. Um, I think there's an acknowledgement by state officials as to how difficult this is at the local level and how, um, how contentious this is in many communities like ours. And so I, I don't know, we don't, you know, you never, with COVID and anything related to COVID, you never know for sure. And so um, uh, by, we think that by stating that we have a mask requirement in place, um, and that we're just not excluding um, students from the class, that we can show that we are doing our very best to enforce this requirement or abide by this requirement. And so, and the district and the administration uh, will stand by our teachers and our staff. And, and um, if there's any um, complaints of that or anything, we will defend them uh, accordingly. But there's been quite a number of districts around the state have taken similar actions and we have not seen state agencies, the department of education or the California teacher credentialing commission take these actions. And I don't believe that they will. In an open letter published in the union newspaper, the Nevada joint union high school district teachers association states that the resolution that directed instructors to cease enforcement of the NJUHSD mask guidelines, quote, directly violated the agreements the board approved with both the teachers union and the classified employees union. It then goes on to say that those agreements with language directly based on guidance from the California Department of Public Health, Cal OSHA, and Nevada County were crystal clear. It says that masks are required indoors at schools and medical settings, and that there was an agreement if any changes in masking requirements were handed down by the state, that it would trigger a renegotiation. How do you respond to that? Yeah, I can't speak um, for the board of trustees. The board felt, the board majority felt that um, um, that it was important that this position be taken and be taken at this time. Um, with that, um, it's you know, my responsibility that after a board vote is taken to, um, uh, you know, implement uh, their policy. And so, yes, it does. This the situation has con- created um, a number of challenges and, and difficulties, and we will have to, um, you know, work this through in terms of at the bargaining table, as well as work it through in our relationships. Um, so, yes, there are a lot of, I think, damaged relationships now and um, uh, with this action. And I think there's for every action, there's a reaction and there are consequences to those actions and reactions and, 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 and and such. And so um, the board had a very, had a very spirited conversation about this on Tuesday night. And it was the viewpoint of the board majority that, um, that this memorandum, these memorandums of understanding um, uh, uh, could be changed by them, that they had the authority to change them. And, um, and that's what they felt. And that's the vote that they took. We will now then, you know, as the dust settles and such, we'll need to sort that out. 
um, on it. But um, moving forward, uh, in terms of, of having trust between both the the, you know, the district and the board of trustees and its unions, that's going to be very difficult. And I think that's that has definitely been harmed, if not damaged. I am very concerned about. I know COVID nineteen will pass. I know we'll it'll you know, you know we'll get through it. But at some point, then we're going to have to work with each other on other matters that are that are important to our students and to our community. And my concern is is that what we've seen in the last, especially in the last six months in this community, will we have permanently damaged our trust in one another and our ability to reach across the table and develop mutual understanding for each other? Brett McFadden, superintendent of the Nevada Joint Union High School District. Mr. McFadden, thank you for talking with us here at KVMR News. Thank you. I'm honored to do this. Thank you. Head on over to our website or subscribe to our podcast to listen to the full version of this interview. Now let's take a look at our regional weather. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 30. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high near 56. Clouds roll in Saturday evening. Sunday, mostly sunny, perfect for Nevada City's Mardi Gras Parade, with a high near 61. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 8. Saturday, sunny, with a high near 44. And Sunday, mostly cloudy, then gradually becoming sunny, with a high near 46. And to the south, in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, widespread frost, mainly after 4 a.m., with a low around 32. Tomorrow, that frost sticks around until 8 a.m., We'll see increasing clouds with a high near 62. Sunday, sunny with a high near 68. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Parades were one of many pandemic casualties these past two years. However, this Sunday marks the return of Nevada City's annual Mardi Gras Festival and Parade. Up ahead, Felton Pruitt speaks to Nevada City Chamber of Commerce Executive Director Stuart Baker about what to expect at this weekend's celebrations. We're talking with Stuart Baker. He's the Executive Director of the Nevada City Chamber of Commerce, who are putting on the big once-a-year Mardi Gras Parade this Sunday, February 27th at 2 o'clock. Stuart, we've been waiting now three years, I guess it is, to have another parade. Yeah, tell me about it. I know. We can't wait. We're super excited. We kind of got COVIDed out for a while. I think, I'm trying to remember, it seems like there may have been some snow that took one out or whatever, but we're finally back. Yes, we are. And just to be clear, the street fair actually starts at 12 noon, goes till 4, and the parade starts at 2 o'clock. So everybody should probably start getting in there between like 11 and noon then. Right. Yeah, for sure. The uh, The street will be closed off starting at 12. We'll be setting up for the parade and getting the barricades up. But folks can go down and check out the street fair and we'll be setting up for the king and queen and duke and duchess. Do you know how many entries you have in the parade so far? Currently, we have 22. That number is rising. So, you know, it, it, it feels kind of like, you know, after we had our last pandemic wave, there was some hesitancy, but now that the numbers have gotten really nice, 
um, people have come forward, and we've we've seen a lot in the last week of of uh, interest and activity. So we're we're moving forward, and we have our king and queen selected, and we have our grand marshal, and we have our duke and duchess, which will all be a surprise only known to those who attend the event, and we'll see who those folks are. There's even going to be a band playing uh, right before and a little bit after. You guys have brought in the Earls of Newtown, who are going to be up on the balcony with me, and uh, they'll be playing for about a half an hour before everything gets rolling at 2 o'clock. So a lot of good entertainment. Yeah, we're, we're super excited about that. So uh, and yeah, the street fair will be going on below the balcony on North Pine and and commercial streets. I think the big exciting news, of course, is that we're back with a Mardi Gras parade and a street fair coming up this Sunday. And uh, the weather looks good, so we're all happy about that. I think this will be my 10th year doing the sound up there on the balconies for everything. And I've done it in the wind, in the snow, in the sun. So uh, this one's looking perfect. It's looking like it's going to be, I think the latest forecast is mostly sunny, 61 degrees about noon. So that sounds perfect. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Did you say 23 uh, entries in the parade so far and growing still? Yeah, I think uh, Lynn told me today it was 22. We have a vintage pickup truck to take the king and the queen. Seems like these days it's hard to find convertibles, and uh, we were able to find two of the three that we needed rather than having to go far and wide to rent one, we, we were able to find a vintage truck. So that's going to add a little bit of a hometown coziness um, as, we, uh, as we escort the king and the queen in, in a, uh, a, a royally uh, appropriate to Nevada City uh, form of transportation. So we're expecting a lot of visitors to downtown Nevada City on Sunday. Where is everybody going to park? Uh, well, the parking options remain... Uh, pretty much what folks are used to. You know, you won't be able to park on Broad, so you'll have to park further afield. I would turn it into a nice Sunday stroll and, you know, look for that spot that you always find. You know, I mean, the root center is always available. It's always a concern, though, crossing 49. And if you do park up there, you need to make sure you go to the crosswalk and cross on the light. But other than that, you know, just the same old spots we sadly don't have a a magic underground parking garage. How far back does the Mardi Gras parade go in Nevada City? Lynn and I spoke with David Parker, who was one of the founders. He talked about then going back into the 70s, and uh, it sounded like a a wonderfully crazy kind of event that um, is stuff of legends. And of course, in between there, of course, it was Joe Kane days, and then uh, that became a bit too raucous, and then it became Mardi Gras, and uh, there was uh, uh, some different iterations for that. But uh, it it goes back. I mean, the the party that is known for this time of year goes back, say, 40 years at this point. What else would you like visitors to know about coming to the Mardi Gras parade and street fair on Sunday? Bring a good sense of spirit. We'll we'll be having some food vendors, and of course, there are a lot of places to eat downtown. Uh, bring your patience when you uh, look for parking, because uh, as we know, uh, we're a cozy little uh, spot here, and it's not always the easiest thing to find. And uh, like you said with the weather, we're uh, fingers crossed for a beautiful day. It's Nevada City's Mardi Gras parade happening this Sunday. The street fair gets underway at noon. The parade starts at 2. Is there information on your guys' website? Just go to nevadacity.com. 
And on the homepage, there's a link uh, to the Mardi Gras festivities, and you can get uh, uh, details there if you uh, want to become a sponsor at the last minute or uh, are feeling inspired to join the parade. We'll, uh, you know, we'll still consider applications for the next day or so. So um, anyway, um, that's yeah, that's it. But just go to Nevada City, uh, NevadaCityChamber.com, and getting all the information that you need there. And I guess I should mention that Elisa Parker from KVMR and Chad Connor Crow from the Earls of Newtown are going to be the MCs for the parade, and the Earls of Newtown will be playing from the balcony before the parade, so it's going to be a fun time. We've been talking with Stuart Baker, the Executive Director for the Nevada City Chamber of Commerce. We'll see you on Sunday, Stuart. Great. Thanks, Felton. Take good care. That's our newscast for this Friday, February 25th. Catch the full interview between KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza and Nevada Joint Union High School District Superintendent Brett McFadden online at kvmr.org or wherever you get your podcasts. KVMR gets support from Four Paws Animal Clinic. Doctors Susan Murphy and Sue Lester and staff are proud to support KVMR providing medical, dental, alternative, and surgical services for cherished companions on Searles Avenue in Nevada City, fourpawsac.com. And Tripp's Auto Body Shop, locally owned and operated by the Tripp family, offering collision, dent, automotive frame repair, and detailing for over 65 years. Open weekdays 8 to 5, Freeman Lane, Grass Valley, tripsautobody.com. And a huge thank you to everyone who pledged their support for KVMR during our membership drive. We really appreciate you. Keep it tuned to your community radio station. Ahead at 6.30, it's the California Report magazine. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in this evening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.